researchers have found that when you have a high fiber diet, it can actually do one other thing that's really cool that helps your waistline. And that is that some of the calories in the foods you eat are trapped by the fiber before the calories can be absorbed and you literally flush them down the toilet. Fiber can actually take calories, get rid of them before you can absorb them. So fiber, powerful stuff. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us coast to coast in the U.S. and in more than 150 countries. Hi to everyone listening in Huntington Beach, California, Newport, Rhode Island, and Sorrento, Italy. Wherever you are, we appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode number one of season six, number 397 overall. And with it being episode one, that means that it is a new year. So today, to ring in 2023, we have 23 ways to make a new and healthier you. Eat more of this and less of that. And stop obsessing so much about the latest can't-miss weight loss solutions. Could part of the reason why we hit the reset button every year with our health be that we're focusing too much on the wrong things? Well, we're going to get the answer to that question and bring your health back into focus with Dr. Neil Barnard. He is here with nearly two dozen ways to help you achieve optimum health. And lending a helping hand today? Carly Bodrug, an amazing cook and the founder and author of Plant You. She is here taking all of Dr. Barnard's healthy tips and putting them into practice in the most delicious of ways. We are talking about healthier pizza. We are talking about healthier burgers and we are talking about healthier bacon, my friends. Because what we are talking about is asking you not to stop eating your favorite foods. We are here to help you discover healthier versions of them. And that is how to make a diet sustainable. But before we get to the tips today, I have a huge announcement to make. And this is one that I have wanted to tell you about for so long now. And I am so excited that today is finally the day to do it. As a big time thank you to all of you who have helped us reach 10 million downloads of the podcast on Apple Podcast and Spotify, and then nearly 100 million views on YouTube and Facebook, we are taking the exam room on the road. So LA, New York, and Washington, DC, we are headed your way. I am thrilled to announce that first up, we will be in LA on March 30th, and Dr. Barnard will be the special guest that night. He's gonna be joining me. There are plenty of details still to come, but I want you to please save that date. March 30th in LA, join us so that we can say thank you with a fun night of shows, and you better believe there will be some delicious food. So more details coming soon, keep an ear out. And then also, if you're in New York and Washington DC, Stay tuned as well. We're headed your way in just a little bit. But first, let's get to our first show of 2023. And Dr. Barnard, the author of Your Body in Balance, he is here now to bring some balance to your health and 23 tips for being healthy and plant-based in 2023. Thank you for being here and Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year to you, Chuck. It's great to see you. Great to be back in the New Year. Absolutely it is. And let's get going. We have a lot to cover today. Nearly two dozen ways to make this the healthiest year of our life. Number one on the list is fiber. Is fiber really perhaps the key nutrient of all nutrients out there? It is so important. You know, fiber is this boring word. It's got this Clark Kent that ripped its shirt <laughs> off and it is now Superman. That's what fiber is. Fiber is in vegetables, fruits, beans, whole grains. And you already know that it keeps your digestive tract running. So it stops constipation. Along the way, it reduces your risk of colorectal cancer. Along the way, it carries out things you don't want. It helps you get rid of cholesterol, reduce cholesterol. 
It helps you get rid of some hormones that might be causing problems that are too high of a level. But there's one other thing, Chuck, that you and I have never talked about. And that is researchers have found that when you have a high fiber diet, it can actually do one other thing that's really cool that helps your waistline. And that is that some of the calories in the foods you eat are trapped by the fiber before the calories can be absorbed and you literally flush them down the toilet. So that's right. Fiber can actually take calories, get rid of them before you can absorb them and help you lose weight in that way. So fiber, powerful stuff. Shut the front door. It traps <laughs> it and it just forces it out, huh? Exactly right. So you eat 100 calories worth of something without any fiber. You know how many calories you absorb? 100. You eat 100 calories in high fiber foods. The fiber grabs some of those calories, carries them away, flushes them away, and you never absorb them. Fiber for the win. Okay, we are learning something new. We're off to a great start. Number two on the list is quit the protein obsession. Stop me, Dr. Barnard, if you've heard this before. Somebody asks you, okay, so you're eating a plant-based diet. Where do you get your protein? Oh, my goodness sakes. And here we have done a 180 shift on this. Up until recently, the idea was, yeah, you know, the best source of protein is meat because it's got all the essential amino acids. And you can do it as a vegan. If you eat a variety of foods, you'll get the same essential amino acids. True. However, the story goes much further than that. It turns out that not only is animal protein worse than plant protein because it's got cholesterol with it, it's got animal fat with it, and it doesn't have the fiber and vitamins that plants have, but there's something else. The amino acid chain that makes up a protein we used to think the more of the essential amino acids you have, the better, just, just jam them all in and you're gonna be healthier. The health measures haven't worked out that way. And we now think that it may well be that too much of these essential amino acids can be harmful. Researchers are specifically looking at lysine and methionine and many, many others. This will not be on the test. The point being, back in the 1950s with iron, we knew you needed some iron and the more the better. We later learned that, uh-uh, you need a certain amount, but not too much. If you get too much iron, it hurts your heart, damages the brain. It may be that way with those essential amino acids that are in animal protein. You get too much, it's harmful. And the good news, plants give you the right amount. And just to revisit old tip number one there, uh, because there's no fiber that's found in that burger, you're gonna be absorbing 100% of those calories as well, correct? All those calories all the carcinogens, all the pesticides, all the antibiotics, all the stuff you did not want is packed in that burger, ready to go right down your esophagus. Oh boy. All the things, all the things. Number three on the list, rethinking carbs. We are about as carb phobic as we are protein obsessed here in this country. We kind of see the emojis kind of spell out on the screen what it is that I think we're going for here. Potatoes, smiley face, French fries, frowny face. Is it time to rethink carbs, Dr. B? It is absolutely time to rethink carbs. And you, you could take the, the, the most highly trained athlete. They lace up their sneakers and they are about to play tennis. They're going to play basketball. They're going to run a marathon, whatever it is. The muscles in their body that are producing that athletic performance, they want one thing, and that is glucose. The energy from glucose comes from carbohydrate. Carbohydrate is simply glucose molecules in their natural form brought to you from foods. And the whole reason that, that carbohydrate got a bad name is that if carbohydrate is about 50, 60% of what you eat, and if you eliminate it, you're gonna lose weight because it's a lot of what you eat, but that's the clean burning fuel that your body needs. Don't get me wrong, carbohydrate comes in many forms. There's candy and sweets and potato chips and junk, but uh, the carbs in whole grains, starchy vegetables, beans, that is clean burning fuel. Not only should you, should you not worry about it, you should seek it out. It, what, it's what gets you through your marathon, even if your marathon just means getting in your car, going to the store, coming back, doing the things that you do every day. All right, number four on the list, here we go. Don't worry so much about carbs, but definitely wanna worry about the amount of fat that is in your diet. But 
A lot of people think you cut the fat, you cut the flavor. That's not necessarily the case. We'll be talking more about that with Carly Bodrug here in just a little bit. But Dr. Barnard, uh, why is it with some of these low-carb diets that are high in fat that so many people swear by, people now think that fat is the greatest thing since sliced bread. You have always maintained that it's still the best practice to keep the fat content really low in your diet. Talk to us about that. It is. You know, the easy part of this is that every gram of fat has nine calories. That's more than twice the calories that are in carbohydrate. So fat is fattening. And that's true for bad fats and good fats. But animal fat in particular, it's a mixture. In that mixture is a lot of bad fat, the saturated fat. That's the one that's solid at room temperature. Why is it bad? Raises your cholesterol, increases the risk of Alzheimer's disease. So cutting the fat, good idea. All right. Next up on the list is one of the easier ways to cut a lot of fat out of your diet, and that is oil. We are so quick to reach for that in the kitchen. And certainly if you go out to eat, virtually anything that's on that menu is going to have a healthy dose of it. A lot of people also think that oil, though, falls under that healthy fat category. Talk to us about oil and health as we head into this new year. You know, oils are typically better than animal fat. If you have chicken fat, about 30% of that chicken fat is saturated fat. The one that I was saying is bad for your cholesterol, bad for your brain. So 30%, not good. If it's beef fat, it's 50%, even worse. Uh, what if I pick olive oil? It's down to 14%. So that's good. The bad fat in olive oil is about half that in chicken fat. However, if I go to the store and I get a nonstick pan, uh, or I'm not using fat at all, even that 14% is now down to zero. So that's why we like that. Now, there, there's still some room for controversy here because olive oil does have some natural compounds in it like polyphenols that are probably healthful for us and may have real health benefits. At the same time, you get a lot of calories and some saturated fat in it, which is making uh, most people on balance say, really minimize those fats and oils. And the, the oils that your body needs are the ones naturally in the fruits and the vegetables and beans. It's just traces, but that's what your body needs. All right. Another great way to reduce the fat from your diet is to get a lot of that cheese, if not all of it, completely out of your diet. Even a lot of these plant-based cheeses, Dr. Barnard, have a lot of fat in here, but cheese is also one of those things that's so daggone hard to, to give up. So when it comes to cutting cheese, and somebody thinks they're funny there, cutting the cheese out of your diet, what kind of tips can you offer? Okay. Um, cheese is a problem. And, and don't forget, it's 70% fat, typical cheese, mm. seven zero, mostly saturated fat. It's the number one source of saturated fat in your diet, dairy products and cheese in particular. Um, you want to get away from it. It's got cholesterol. It's got more salt than potato chips and it has sex hormones in it. Uh, estradiol comes from the cow. It's concentrated in the cheese. So my number one solution is one that you've talked about, Chuck, and that's nutritional yeast. Just put that on your pizza crust. It tastes like cheese, got none of the fat, none of the moo in there at all. Uh, the vegan cheeses um, are much better, but do look at the label. Uh, if it's got coconut oil in it or palm oil, get a different brand. If it's just a pureed cashews, it's going to give you the taste without the cholesterol and without the estradiol. Absolutely. And stay tuned. I have a sneaking suspicion, Dr. Barnard, that Carly is going to have some amazing cheese ideas coming up. You mentioned cashews and nutritional yeast. I'd be shocked if those aren't the list, but I've also seen her work wonders with potatoes and carrots. It's it's incredible what she's able to do. Um, sticking with the dairy tip here, switching to non-dairy milk. How important is this to stay healthy? Oh, it's a great thing. If you look at cow's milk, send it to a lab. They're going to tell you the number one nutrient in this carton of cow's milk is sugar. Surprise, it's true. The number one nutrient in a carton of cow's milk is lactose sugar. Number two is fat. To get to calcium, you got to go way down the list. So why not instead pick up soy milk, almond milk, oat milk, rice milk, hemp milk. There are so many choices out there and they're just waiting for you to try them. So get a couple different ones, see which ones you like. And what you're gonna be skipping is, is that sugar, you're gonna skip that fat, you're gonna skip the animal proteins in milk that for some people are irritating and can lead to things like migraines and joint pain. Skip it, you're much better off with the plant milks. 
Number eight is kind of a tip that is old is time. I don't know anybody whose mom did not tell them growing up to eat more green leafy vegetables. And nonetheless, here we are still in 2023. It's still important enough to make this list. When it comes to getting green vegetables, green leafy vegetables into the diet, is it possible to overstate the importance? Every time we turn around, we find another scientific study showing the benefit that green leafy vegetables have. Yes, they've got fiber. Uh, they also have iron in its most, most healthful form and a lot of highly absorbable calcium for most types of green leafy vegetables. But you might think about different ways of getting it in. There are the raw vegetables that become part of your salad. I'm talking about the baby spinach leaves or, or whatever they may be. And then there are the cooked ones that are often uh, sides for lunch or dinner. Have a variety and there's nothing that says you can't have more than one at a meal. That's right. You're having your dinner of maybe pasta marinara or whatever it is. Why not on the side? Little grilled asparagus, some sauteed broccoli. You can have Brussels sprouts. You can really enjoy these green jewels in many, many ways and uh, include them in your routine every day. I like the way you put that green jewels. I like that. But you know what? It's not just green that should be on the plate. It should be a cornucopia of color, my friend. Eat the rainbow. We've talked about that on the show. Still as important as ever as well. Oh man, you know, the, the beta carotene is the orange pigment in nature's painting box. And mother nature put that in carrots and in sweet potatoes. And the red color, that's lycopene. Lycopene goes into tomatoes, and pink grapefruit and watermelon. And that purple color, not, this will not be on the test, but that's anthocyanins, blueberries, grapes. And if you consume these, you're not only getting a really colorful meal. These are all different antioxidants that reduce your cancer risk and help your body in a great many ways. Now let's talk about some people who have the sweet tooth and that's virtually everybody, right? Uh, eat natural sugars as opposed to refined sugars. Now I know that sugar is one of those hot topics when, especially in our conversations that we've had Dr. Barnard about diabetes. Is it really the cause of diabetes or is it the fat that's the cause of diabetes? When it comes to sugar, is it best practice to eat the more natural kinds and leave the refines off of your plate? Yeah, it's, it's a good idea. And what you said is exactly right, Chuck, that the driver of the insulin resistance that leads to diabetes is actually fat buildup inside the muscle and liver cells. That's new to a lot of people, but that's what the science has, has made clear. Even so, this doesn't mean sugar's totally off the hook. Because think about it, table sugar, where did that come from? It comes from sugar cane or sugar beets, where you took out all the fiber and all the nutrition, and all you've got is this concentrated sugar. It's still only four calories per gram, so it's not super high in calories, but it's, it's about as dense in calories as you're going to get um, uh, from that kind of thing. And you're not getting the, the benefit of in the natural part of the plant that you might use, let's, let's say you're going to sweeten up your oatmeal. Table sugar versus raisins. The raisins bring you added fiber with them, a little bit of sweetness, and all the nutrients that were in that grape as it was shriveling into a little raisin. And the same is true if you use blueberries or sliced banana. They all have those traces of natural sweetness along with the goodness of the, of the fruit. And would I be correct also in assuming that typically in something that has refined sugar, you're also going to get a lot of fat and calories in there, right? So you're talking about raisins there and not going to have the fat and the calories that say, oh, I don't know, a frosted donut that has the refined sugar would have. You said it. Um, if you look at the recipe for a cupcake or for a cake or a pie or a typical cookie, you think of those as carbs. I got to tell you very often, most of the calories are from all the shortening and butter that got baked into it. So yeah, sugar is often the Trojan horse. That's the part that lures you in, but lurking inside that Trojan horse is a whole bunch of fat that's gonna do you harm. All right, next up is one that we've talked about a lot here at the Physicians Committee as well, and that is the classic American hot dog. We're gonna get some uh, ideas with Carly in just a little bit on ways that you can enjoy a healthy hot dog. But first, let's talk about the reasons why it's important to get those off our plate. Well, hot dog is the quintessential processed meat <laughs> and processed meats by the world, the world health organization back in 2015 said the jury has come in and the verdict is clear. Processed meats cause cancer. 
not might cause, might increase the risk, whatever. Processed meats cause cancer in the same way that tobacco causes cigarettes. What kind of cancer? Colorectal cancer in particular. You have one hot dog, uh, part of your routine every day. Your, your risk of, cancer, of that kind of cancer just went up by 18%. What if you happen to have a lunch with two hot dogs? Do the math. Um, but it's not just colorectal cancer, it's also breast cancer and many other forms of the disease. It, and other things that are real surprises, it took us a while to figure out why, why is it that lung diseases like COPD are linked to processed meats. And it has to do with the way the body, uh, the body chemistry is affected by eating these processed meats. There is a reason that the AMA said hospitals should never serve processed meats to anyone. And that's really good advice for your family too. If hot dogs are kind of the quintessential processed meat, I would imagine bacon has to be a very close cousin to it. Bacon is number 12 on our list. Breaking up with that. Where do you weigh in on the bacon debate? You know, the problem is that bacon has become such a big fad. You know, you get a bacon on everything. You know, it started, it started off to be a little weird that bacon was on your salad. And now that that's become kind of norm, now you can get bacon flavored soap. Uh, we've really got to break up with bacon because uh, colorectal cancer is not funny. Um, and I think that the public is starting to turn on this, but you still, you're still seeing bacon in all kinds of places and it just creates nutritional havoc. Bacon flavored soap? Really? You've seen it. Yeah, you got it. Exactly. Oh, I mean, not for nothing. I just don't <laughs> think that that's really what you want to smell like all day. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, my goodness gracious. All right. Anyway, let's move on. Let's talk about soy. This is an interesting one that's really kind of picked up steam in the last few years here, uh, especially with a lot of the research that you and Dr. Hanna Kaliova have been doing. Uh, soy, very, very important in the diet. Why is that? Well, a couple of things. Um, soybeans are very high in protein, of course. They have very, relatively little fat. They've gotten lots of healthy fiber and they have isoflavones which are natural compounds that do a couple things. One is that they reduce cancer risk. And that's really an important thing. And I know we've talked about this before, Chuck. The urban mythology from years ago was that soy products might be linked to higher cancer risk. Researchers have had, have had time to really look through that very, very carefully. And it turns out ever since about 20, 2008, we've had abundant evidence that women consuming the most soy have the lowest breast cancer risk, about 30% lower than the women who are neglecting their soy. So soy products have all of these benefits. But for men, it looks like soy also reduces the risk of prostate cancer. And for both men and women, there's a little bit of cholesterol lowering also that comes out of the soybeans. So including them, darn good idea. You want to avoid the GMO. It's easy to do if the tofu you're getting or the soybeans you're getting, are if they, if they are marked, organic. By law, they can't be GMO. Vitamin E rich foods. That's number 14 on our list here. Uh, first of all, what uh, does vitamin E do for us? And what are some foods that have it? In the course of your, our normal metabolism, free radicals arise. They're sort of like factory waste and antioxidants mop them up and get them out of our body before they can cause cancer or other problems. Vitamin E is a special kind of antioxidant the beta carotene in a carrot uh, and um, vitamin C, for example, in an orange, they all protect certain parts of the body and vitamin E protects other parts of the body. Now, vitamin E is funny, it's fat soluble. So the mother load of vitamin E is in nuts and in seeds. You're thinking, well, gee, but that's a lot of calories. It is. So if you have about an ounce a day of nuts or seeds, that's just one small handful, pour them in your hand, it hasn't hit your fingers yet. That's all. That gives you about five milligrams of vitamin E, which is more than enough. Two to go here. Number 15, take vitamin B12. Essential for anybody eating a plant-based diet, I would assume. Vitamin B12 is not only something that people following a plant-based diet should get, and they should get it because vitamin B12 is something you need for healthy nerves and for healthy blood cells. But frankly, everybody, no matter what you're eating, ought to be taking a B12 supplement. Why is that? Because let's say you're over 50. You're not making as much stomach acid as you used to make, and you need that to absorb the vitamin B12. Or let's say you have diabetes and you're being treated with metformin, you've got acid stomach and you're taking an acid blocker. 
those medications slow down your B12 absorption too. So a supplement's a good idea. How much do you need? 2.4 micrograms, which is teeny tiny. Uh, at the health food store, the smallest size you're probably going to see is maybe 100 or 200 micrograms. Those are fine. All right. We have focused a lot on food and now some vitamins here, but what we have not yet talked about, and my final one for you before we bring Carly onto the show, is exercise. So when it comes to exercise and getting up and moving around, how much exercise should we really be targeting to stay healthy this year? I got to tell you, it depends a little bit on where you're starting. Let's say that you're sedentary, you really haven't been exercising at all, and maybe your joints hurt or your weight is such that it's, it hasn't been realistic for you to do a lot of exercise. Do what you can. Let's say it's a 10 minute walk three times a week or something like that. Let's start there. And then my, my rule of thumb is to add five minutes every week. So let's say we're gonna go three times a week this week, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes. Fine, easy. Next week, 15 minutes. 15 minutes, 15 minutes, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, whatever, whatever schedule works for you. Then the next week, go up to 20, go up to 25. And once you work your way up to a 40 minute walk, three times a week, especially if it's a little bit of a brisk walk, so you can feel your pulse uh, going up a little bit, but, but not so fast that you can't speak. That 40 minute brisk walk is, ac is actually the level that we have seen reverse brain shrinkage in people who are having some cognitive problems later in life. So it also burns calories, makes you feel better, uh, brings your blood sugar down, and it doesn't sound like a lot, but a 40-minute good risk walk three times a week is going to really be helpful for you. Dr. Barnard, thank you so very much, my friend. Happy New Year. You too, Chuck. Thanks a million. So let's keep the conversation going now. We've just gotten some really good advice from Dr. Barnard about the 23 ways. Well, we're on our way to the 23 ways to get healthy in 2023. But now let's take some of that advice and put it into practice and make that magic happen in your kitchen. And I can think of no better person to help us do that right now than the author of Plant You. She is a friend of the show. She is a friend of mine. And she is so good when it comes to plant-based cooking. Carly Bodrug, how are you? Chuck, you are just the best. I am doing fantastic, and I'm so grateful to be back on the show. I'm so grateful that you're here as well, and Happy New Year to you. I hope that 2023 is the healthiest of all time for you. Oh, I hope so too, and I hope for all your listeners as well. I think that we'll get there. I mean, that is that is the goal. So what we were just talking about with Dr. Barnard here was that, you know, soy continues to get the bad rap in a lot of people's diets. They just won't eat it, despite the fact that now we have study after study after study coming out showing, hey, soy is really something that you want to include. So my question to you, oh, plant-based goddess in the kitchen, is how can somebody incorporate soy into their diet and feel good about it? The good news is that soy can be incredibly, incredibly delicious. We know it's nourishing, but one of my favorite ways to utilize soy is with tofu. And I typically, most in my kitchen, use extra firm tofu. So if you're at the store and you're overwhelmed by all the tofu choices, extra firm is the one I typically grab. And the ways I like to use it, number one, you can scramble tofu and then uh, mix it up with some spices, tomato paste, some paprika, maybe a little soy sauce and bake it. And it will become like the perfect ground beef substitute. So you can use that in pasta sauce. You can use it in chili. You can make taco bowls or taco salads with it. I also absolutely love to use tofu as like a sneaky high protein sauce. So one of the most popular recipes on my website is something called baked feta pasta, which being vegan, the recipe actually has no feta in it at, at, in it at all. But the the substitute is made by blending tofu with things like nutritional yeast, garlic powder, a little apple cider vinegar for that tang, and then baking it up with some cherry tomatoes and mixing it. It makes the most incredible cheesy high protein sauce that you wouldn't believe. So as you can see, tofu is incredibly versatile. It can even be used in desserts, but those are my two go-to ways that I tell anybody new to soy to uh, check out. 
And that is the perfect segue to another tip that is on our list, another one of the 23 for 23, and that is spaghetti without meat sauce or with meat sauce. And we're going to put that one in quotes there. So you're saying that tofu is the way to go if you want to have that meat, quote unquote, sauce. You can even take this one level further. So in my cookbook, I have a recipe that's probably the most popular recipe called garden bolognese. And it, we make a meat substitute by combining mushrooms, bell peppers, garlic, spinach, and there's one more I'm missing in there, carrots in a food processor. And then you add it to a pan and already you have a veggie ground. And then you're just going to spice that up and then add your favorite pasta sauce to it. And you would not believe how incredible this is. This is without tofu. I like to add the tofu, but if you're still not feeling the soy, this is just a great base recipe that you're getting like five diverse vegetables in at once. And I promise you will not miss the meat. <laughs> I'm, well, look, I'm telling you too, this is this is what I always love to tell people. It's like, look, it's okay if you're hearing this right now and this is your first time thinking about eating a plant-based diet and somebody tells you like, hey, you're not going to miss the meat. It's okay to be skeptical because the old me at 420 pounds would have said, well, Carly, what you just said makes absolutely no sense to me. I think that you're off your rocker. Don't take it personally. It's just the way that it is. I'm here though to say like, give it a try. The 420 pound me would be shocked and would say exactly Carly what it is that you just said. You won't miss the meat. You can't tell the difference. That's the brilliant thing about this. You can't tell the difference. And what I always tell people who are first endeavoring on a plant-based lifestyle is to look at what they typically eat in a given week. Maybe you start your day with cereal. For lunch, you have a sandwich. And for dinner, you might have something like tacos. Look at those foundational recipes that you already love and think about how you can make simple swaps in to make them plant-based and more nutrient-dense. So maybe it's still having cereal in the morning, but adding some fruit and using a plant-based milk instead. Bam, you already have made that meal plant-based. For lunch, maybe you have a tuna salad sandwich. Try smashing up chickpeas with some nori sheets instead. And another plant-based meal, dinner is tacos. Doing that thing that I talked about by baking the tofu into a ground beef substitute, adding some taco seasonings instead. This is maintaining the familiar flavors and textures that you love, but making the meals far more nutrient dense, far more healthy for you, better for your health, better for the planet, better for the animals. So it can really be that simple, not overhauling your entire diet, but maintaining that familiarity. Well, one of the most familiar foods for a lot of us is the burger, right? Whether you're making one at home on the grill or you're going to the drive-through every week, it doesn't matter. The burger is a staple of the standard Western diet. Millions are eaten every single day. And a lot of people say also like, look, you know, I could do the whole vegan thing, except for the fact I just love that juicy burger. What would you say to somebody who's just worried about breaking up with beef? So we've got an amazing solution that costs far less than a traditional beef burger as well, which is black bean burgers. They are my absolute favorite. So you add a drained and rinsed can of black beans to a food processor. Again, you got to spice it up, some paprika, some garlic powder, maybe a little soy sauce, maybe a little salt and pepper, add some oats, some roasted red peppers, spin that in the food processor, bake up, and you've got the most incredible black bean burgers. They're packed with fiber. They're packed with protein. They're at a quarter of the cost of a ground beef burger. And most importantly, they're delicious. So again, you won't miss the meat. <laughs> Absolutely. Again, and, and look, you know, it goes back to not breaking up with, but evolving our relationship with food. It can be a terrifying prospect for a lot of people when they're first starting out on this new way of eating to think that they'll never be able to eat their favorite thing again. But the thing that I love about the show, and I think you and I probably have even talked about this previously on the show, is that there are a million and one creative ways to replicate those flavors. So you don't miss it. Just like you said, you just don't have to miss these things. You just get creative and have healthier versions of them. Exactly. And the most phenomenal thing happens when you start eating this way. And it's that you start craving 
the healthier plant-based versions. Like people always ask me, oh, do you crave meat? And I'm like, well, I crave a burger, but now I'm craving a black bean burger. I'm not craving a beef burger. So you have to give it some time and patience, just like anything else. And your palate will adjust and you will start really craving these healthy, delicious foods. You know, there are two other foods that are really, really, really popular that people just say, I crave these daily. I crave them every day, twice a day, three times, four times a day. Number one, believe it or not, is cheese. And we can say that for a number of reasons. But, you know, when it comes to adopting a fully plant-based diet, even taking it a step beyond vegetarian, but eliminating that dairy altogether... Cheese can be one of the last things to kick as well. So when somebody's looking at taking cheese out of their diet, what are some options that they may might want to explore? Cheese is bar none the toughest probably and what I hear about the most from uh, people who follow me on social media. And what I always recommend is trying a variety of different vegan cheese substitutes and finding your favorite because it really varies per person. Number one, I love nutritional yeast and it took me a while to love nutritional yeast, but it's very popular within the plant-based community. It's a powder. It's actually very high in protein and nutrients and it's a great uh, Parmesan substitute. So if you're sprinkling something on pizza or pasta, it has a very umami, cheesy flavor, and it can be great to make sauces with as well. Uh, second to that, I love making a cashew cream or a cashew cheese. So you can do this a variety of ways, but if you soak cashews in boiling water for 10 minutes or even soak them overnight and then blend them up with a little water, salt, uh, garlic powder, apple cider vinegar, again, for a little tang, it really is an excellent cheese substitute that's going to give you kind of that uh, mouth feel that you like from cheese as well. It's great if you bake it, it uh, becomes very melty and cheese-like. So there's a couple of options. Tofu as well, when blended up, I have an excellent tofu ricotta recipe that's just incredible in lasagna that I don't think anybody would know is not cheese. It's more about injecting flavor into these things. So cheese really pulls on garlic a little tang by lemon juice or apple cider vinegar, and then salt, of course. Let me tell you, the cheeses that uh, that you talk about in your book, off the charts, and it's amazing what you can make cheese out of. Again, it blows my mind. Just the creativity of this way of eating makes me so daggone happy. It's like, who knew? It's like a chemistry experiment every single time you go to cook. It's so much fun to do. Like, it, it just, it blows my mind. And I had a recipe recently for like a nacho cheese that was made out of cashews. Honest to God, could not taste the difference between that and what I used to eat back in the day with my old way of eating. Goes exactly to what it was you were just saying. The spices make all the difference. Yeah, one really popular vegan cheese uh, actually leans on cashews, carrots, and potatoes. And it's kind of like what you said, like a nacho cheese. You would never in your life know that that was not actual cheese, which is unbelievable when you think about the ingredients and how much healthier it is. And one thing I always say about plant-based cooking, kind of going off of your earlier point, is that it's like a science experiment, but the stakes are very low when you're cooking plant-based because you're not dealing with like overcooking meat or like curdling your cheese. You're literally dealing with plants. So anything you're experimenting with, you can generally fix and it's safe to eat and it just makes it so fun. I really fell in love with cooking when I went plant-based. There it is. Now, let's go from cheese to that other food that people are just gaga over. And that is a breakfast staple and bacon. And a matter of fact, a lot of people say everything is better with bacon. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack on it, whatever the case may be. Bacon is the best, they say. Veggie bacon options seem to have exploded recently. And that's another reason why I wanted to make this one of the 23 for 2023, because bacon alternatives are booming right now. What would you suggest there? My absolute favorite vegan bacon substitute is tempeh bacon. Tempeh is a fermented soy product, kind of like a sister of tofu. It has an acidic kind of base when you eat it. And what I like to do is marinate it in a little maple syrup, 
soy sauce, paprika, garlic powder. Uh, you can marinate it overnight or even just for 10 minutes and then you bake it. It just makes this incredible bacon substitute. You can have it with your breakfast, super high in protein, or you can even like crumble it in a pasta for like a carbonara feel. There's so many great bacon substitutes. I'm trying to think I've seen and I've tried uh, vegan bacon made from carrots and then also daikon radish, similar marinade to the tempeh bacon. It's just like a lighter feel. You have to really watch it when you put it in the oven because it will bake up really quick, takes about five to seven minutes and you have like a very crispy uh, carrot bacon. So there's a couple options for you. Carrot bacon. Carrot this is a bacon. new one to me. Really? Yeah. It's I've never popular. heard of carrot bacon. That's amazing. And now, now that we're talking about bacon, one more has come to mind that's like might be the best of all of them is rice paper bacon. So you take two sheets of rice paper. Again, they all have like a similar marinade because you're injecting it with flavor. Um, dip it in that kind of soy sauce, maple syrup, paprika, garlic powder marinade. And then you layer two sheets of rice paper on each other. And then you cut them with a pizza cutter so that you have like strips of bacon. And you pop those in the oven. you got to watch it really close. But like that, that one is so good because it kind of has that stretchiness to it. It's delicious. Every time I talk to you, it is like going to food school. <laughs> That's where we're at right now. We are at food school. Like, who the heck knows? I don't know where you acquired all of this knowledge, but man, am I grateful that you did. It is unreal. Um, let's stick with breakfast really quickly. We, we touched on tofu earlier, may have talked about a scramble, but I think that there are people who are big time kind of scrambled egg connoisseurs. They love it for breakfast. They maybe even carve out a little bit of extra time during the weekday mornings to make sure that they can still get their scrambled egg on. When you're talking about making a tofu scramble, however, what is the key to making that one of the best, most delicious plant-based recipes out there? Oh, a tofu scramble is such a classic in my personal diet. I make this at least once a week. It's incredible. And you can also cook it and make like vegan tofu burritos with it for breakfast. But the key to a really good tofu scramble, like most of the things we've talked about, and like anybody who eats probably meat or eggs, is in the seasonings. So for a tofu scramble, I like to take a block of extra firm tofu, take a fork and mash it so it's crumbled, then add it to a pan with onions and garlic and whichever vegetables you want to have that you would normally have, say in a scramble or an omelet like bell pepper and spinach. And I like to add turmeric. Turmeric is an excellent spice to be including in your diet because of its health properties, but it adds, also adds a really great color to your tofu scramble that's going to immediately look like scrambled eggs. I'd love to add nutritional yeast, salt, pepper, and if you have access to it, something called black salt or kala namak. So this is a salt from India that has a high sulfur content. And it is the craziest thing because it literally tastes like eggs. Like if you get your hands on this stuff, it has an odd smell to it, but it tastes like eggs. So I always add black salt to my tofu scramble. And I tell anybody who can get their hands on it to grab some because it has become a staple. Black salt. I wonder, is that something maybe like Amazon? Would that have it? or Yes. Go? Yes. Okay. That's where I tell people to go. Amazon has it or most natural food stores have it as well. It's either called Kalanamak, K-A-L-A space N-A-M-A-K or black salt. And it's just incredible. Like, and a little bottle will last you a long time. I think I've had mine for many, many months. We were talking about carrot bacon earlier. I was not familiar with that. However, I am familiar with carrot dogs. And so a lot of people, especially in summertime, we were talking about grilling earlier. One of the staples on the grill is the good old American hot dog. If somebody's really craving the hot dog, what would you suggest they eat in 2023 to make them the healthiest version ever of themselves? So hot dogs are definitely a tough one, but carrot dogs are a shockingly good substitute. And I am serious. You, <laughs> you take a carrot, carrots, you peel them and you marinate them, vegetable broth, soy sauce, little liquid smoke. If you're going to use it, um, it's not necessary though. Lots of spices paprika, garlic powder. Uh, you can sense a trend here. Marinate those best overnight and then you can bake them. And truly, 
it, you add some ketchup, your mustard. This is like an amazing hot dog substitute between a bun. There's also a great company out of BC, Canada, actually called the Very Good Butchers, and they make a great hot dog substitute out of beans. So that can be done as well. Uh, if you don't wanna make it yourself, you can buy them. And uh, yeah, there's a few options for the hot dog lovers out there. Absolutely, absolutely. I would, I would love one day to do a vegan tailgate, it's just like roll up to a football game down here and just start, you know, making up all kinds of tailgate staples, whether it's the black bean burger you were talking about earlier, or now the carrot dogs, or one of the, the store-bought ones that you just referenced, and just see what the reception is. I suspect, Carly, that because we can do so much with these flavors, we can not only like hit something that's a home run, but it's, you know, really a home run for their health as well. And they're not going to be any the wiser. I agree. I think that we have come such a long way in plant-based cooking that people in some cases would even have a preference to the plant-based versions and not even know, not even know that they're plant-based. Absolutely. Now we've got three still to go. Let's also talk about sandwiches, right? I don't feel like we've spent enough time talking about sandwiches yet. This is another big one that makes the list for 23, 4, 23, because Almost everybody eats at least a few sandwiches every single week. And typically when you think about a sandwich, you're thinking like ham and cheese, turkey and cheese, turkey, ham and cheese, bologna, whatever the case may be. You're talking about meat, 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 meat. If somebody wants to have a really healthy meatless sandwich, what are some things that you might suggest there? So one of my favorites would be kind of a Mediterranean sandwich. And this is by roasting up eggplant, zucchini, some red onion, and then stacking that all on a flatbread with some vegan pesto, maybe a roasted red pepper hummus. That is truly delicious. And again, really doesn't need the meat at all. Another favorite of mine is making a smashed chickpea salad sandwich. So I love uh, drain and rinse a can of chickpeas, throw it in a bowl, add maybe some dill, some celery, some carrot, smash it with tahini. And it is just absolutely incredibly delicious. You can have that in either a wrap or a sandwich, which by the way, Chuck, are you team wrap or team sandwich? I asked this on my Instagram the other day. Mm, uh, Ooh, man, it depends on the day. I got equal love for both. You can't put me in one <laughs> corner there. Like, come on. I can't be biased against two amazing inventions. No. Although I, I will say it. the veggie wraps that are in your cookbook are one of the greatest things ever created <laughs> in the history of man. I, I love wraps. I think I'm a wrap girl, but I do like a good sandwich too. You're a rap girl. All right. You're going to spit some rhymes for us too. No. While you're here. <laughs> now you're putting me on the spot. Not today. <laughs> no, man. Well, it, so I do love rap. I guess it really just depends on the day, right? Because I love your veggie wraps, but there's also a sandwich that I, I make myself that I kind of like created just one day on a whim. And that's got hummus, uh, sliced tomato, whatever greens I have in there. You know, it can be even something you know, as mundane as, is just like some lettuce, right? But then you put the tomato on there, a little avocado, but then the key to it, the key to it is adding kimchi and Aww. you put that and you toast the bread. You got the kimchi on there and you can add sprouts for bonus health points. And I'm telling you, this is probably the greatest sandwich I've ever tasted in my entire life and like blows the Rubens that I used to love out of the water. It's so good, the spice, and it balances with the creamy hummus and then the coolness of the tomatoes. Like, it's just, it's good, girl. It's so good. That sounds absolutely incredible. I'm going to make it. Sounds so good. I'm telling you, but it's right up there with the veggie wraps in the Plant You Cookbook. I'm telling If I don't make those at least a couple times a month, my wife gets grumpy. And I want to keep my wife happy. So thanks to you. And your veggie wraps. I have a happy marriage. My hat's off. Thank you. Um, <laughs> all right. Two more that we have here on the list before we close things out for 2022. And we're all set now for a healthy 2023. Number two on this list. Let's talk about perhaps the most popular food in the entire world. 
pizza. How in the world do you have a pizza without cheese or at least a pizza that's got cheese, but it's not the dairy cheese that you've been eating? Help us out. So the first thing I will say is that everybody needs to try pizza without cheese because I can guarantee that you will be surprised at how delicious it is. And you've got to pack a lot of veggies on there. I love sauteing like peppers, sun-dried tomatoes, onions, mushrooms, packing them on the pizza with lots of seasonings. And give that a try first because I think that cheeseless pizza is really underrated. And you can even order that from a pizza shop. Like if you love a certain pizza shop, you can order it cheeseless. And I, I swear it will shock you. Number two is making a cashew mozzarella. So again, if you combine cashews with a little bit of water, salt, garlic powder, and then drizzle that on a pizza and then bake it, oh my goodness, you would not be able to tell that that is not cheese. That's my absolute favorite way to prepare it. And then of course, you load your pizza with veggies because the toppings are the most important. And really, when you think about this, if you're using like a whole wheat crust, you're using a good tomato sauce, lots of veggies and like a cashew cheese, pizza can become like a healthy staple meal in your week, which is just awesome. All right, let's revisit that. Push pause, rewind. Pizza can become a healthy staple of your diet. Holy cow, a phrase I never thought would be uttered here on the exam room, but you know what? You are spot on, my friend. Yeah, because really it's like it's like eating a salad warm with bread. That doesn't sound very appetizing, but if you really think about your pizza and your favorite toppings and those are veggies and you load them up, it's a healthy, balanced meal. You can even put some, like we talked about tempeh bacon earlier. Talk about a nutrient-dense, delicious pizza with a cashew cheese. That's what I'm making tonight. I've, I've just decided. <laughs> okay, giddy up, giddy up, you know, and uh, please, you know, freeze dry it, send a slice my way. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when you talk about veggies, what are some of the favorites that you put on there? Do you like to go with something that's a little bit more hearty, like uh, maybe a broccoli or a Brussels sprout, or are you more a tomato spinach kind of a person? So there's two ways I would approach a pizza. I'm glad you mentioned broccoli and Brussels sprouts because I'm actually a big fan of making like a green pizza. So you would have like a whole wheat or a sourdough crust or something and then do the base that a pesto. Um, and you can make your own pesto or you can buy a great pest base pesto recipe would be like pine nuts, basil, spinach, little nutritional yeast and garlic. Spread that on as the sauce. And then if you roast up vegetables, like your broccoli, like your Brussels sprouts, roast them up in the oven and then add them to the top of that pizza. It is delicious. That is like a green pizza and we make that all the time. But another one would be like a regular pizza. And my favorite toppings, if I was like to order a pizza or make my own, that's more traditional. I love sliced tomatoes. I absolutely love roasted bell peppers or roasted in a pan. I love mushrooms. Um, and those are like the three, like the three that I like. Oh, also red onion. And then I love lots of nutritional yeast and I like a cashew cheese. That's my perfect pizza. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Fresh basil at the end. Ooh, okay. Little, little extra flavor punch there, right? Yeah, That's cool. I'm a big basil fan. Love it. That sounds amazing. And I think that really kind of the key here, if you're loading up a pizza with veggies, is you, there's really no right or wrong answer as far as what you put on there. It's you put on there what you like, right? It's no different than any other pizza that you order. You choose the toppings that you like. So if you love the spinach, go crazy with it. If you love the tomatoes, go crazy with them too. Really make it whatever pizza you want because at the end of the day, it's your pizza, right? Yeah. And I think by doing this and having fun in the kitchen and making it that you're going to love it even more than the pizza you used to order with the cheese because you can customize it to exactly your liking. All right. Now you talk about customizing it exactly to your liking and anybody who's ever been to Starbucks knows that that's exactly the name of the game when it comes to coffee. I can't tell you how many billions of cups of coffee are consumed worldwide every single day. And the majority of them are consumed with some sort of 
dairy in there, whether it's just plain old milk or you've got cream in there or whatever. But Carly, this is number 23 on our list of healthy things for 2023 because it's something I saw on your Instagram that blew my mind about taking a simple cup of something, in this case it was hot chocolate, and really kicking up the nutrient density of it while still taking the dairy out of it. And what you did was you took a sweet potato and you put it in your hot chocolate. And I was like, my mind is officially blown right now. And I'll bet if I ask Carly, there are a million and other ways that you can really kick up the taste of your coffee and your hot chocolate while still taking out the dairy. Yes. So it is hot chocolate season. And that's like one of my favorite winter beverages, nothing better than curling up with some movies and hot chocolate. And when I was thinking about hot chocolate, I was looking at some like mixes that you get at the store. And oh, my goodness, they're not the healthiest thing on the planet. And I thought about how can we inject some more nutrients into something as simple as a hot chocolate and some natural sweetness. So I tried roasting up a sweet potato and then uh, like pureeing it in um, a mix of dark chocolate, some plant-based milk, little tiny maple syrup and vanilla extract. And oh my goodness, it was like the most rich, delicious hot chocolate I've ever had. So I started, I think, with a quarter cup of pureed sweet potato. And uh, a lot of people have had success with blending this in. So try it. Don't knock it till you try it. It's delicious. And then when it comes to coffees and lattes and beverages, I always say that one thing that's really underrated is black coffee. Like I love coffee and I had to work up to it, but I now mostly enjoy my coffee black, which I think is again, underrated and can be delicious. But for creamers, I think a lot of people love oat based creamers. So you can either make your own oat milk or buy oat milk from the store. If you're buying it from the store, look for one ingredient, oats and water. And it really cuts the, um, the coffee as well as a little maple syrup instead of those really, really sweet coffee creamers. Your wallet will thank you too, because, uh, Starbucks is pretty expensive. Hello. Yes, it is. Yeah. You get that upcharge too, for those, uh, dairyless creamers, just saying, but you know what, that's a show for another day. I'm with you there though, on, on the idea of drinking black coffee. I, when I was really big into coffee, I loved it black. And I love the fact that I was such, um, a slave to Starbucks as it were, that I could actually go in there and really taste the refined differences, even the subtle ones of all the different roasts. And it became a game to me. And I really, really, really loved it. And what I found, I don't know if you're the same way, the bolder, the flavor, the better, just give me your darkest roast possible with as many beans as you could possibly fit into the grinder and just press all of that into a single cup. And I was just in coffee heaven. Do you like that big, bold flavored coffee? Or are you more like a, a subtle, not so bold in your face kind of cup? I, I love a bold coffee. And it's funny, it's we've talked a bit about your palate changing in this show. But I remember when I first started drinking coffee, first of all, I never didn't like coffee. And then I started drinking French vanillas. And that's uh, for any Canadians listening from Tim Hortons, and uh, which I know you have a few in the US now. But Tim Hortons is the most popular coffee shop here. And then I moved on to like double doubles, which was like double cream, double sweetener. And then at, I was actually working in morning radio. And I was drinking so much coffee that it only became practical to start like weaning myself off of like something super sweet. So then I just started drinking black coffee and now it's my favorite way to drink coffee. So like anything, like going plant-based, like eating more veggies, any of the tips in this show, it's about sustainable progressive changes. So I would say work your way up and it, you'll be surprised at how much of a difference you notice in your palate. You are not the first person to uh, issue the warning about those double doubles from Timmy's uh, to come on the show. It was a, it was another uh, friend of ours from Canada who was like, yep, you got to watch out for those things. They will get you. They will get you in a hurry. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Carly Bodrug, I could talk to you for all of 2023, but I know that you have other better things to do than to sit here and- Not better, not better. This was amazing. Well, I mean, thank you. But I can't monopolize your time because there's so much that you have to do. Um, but here's what I will encourage the viewers and the listeners to do right now. If you have not yet, 
There you go. If you have not yet picked up your copy of Plant You, please do that. There's a link to do that right now in the show description or in the episode notes. And you got to check out her scrappy cooking series on Instagram as well or TikTok. That will change your life. I'm telling you, the premise, Carly, behind scrappy cooking is just genius. It's like zero waste cooking, right? Yes. So utilizing commonly wasted foods that you that you use every day, like something like carrot tops or broccoli stems in your cooking, because adjacent to going plant-based, one of my passions of mine is reducing waste. So you can check that out. I, I think I've done 64 different episodes of Scrappy Cooking on Instagram and TikTok. And they, they, they just like suck you right into you. It's, it's like they start with this warning or a strong suggestion from you. Stop throwing out those carrot tops. Welcome to scrappy cooking. And you sell it so well. It's like, holy crap, man. Like I'm pumped up for some scrappy cooking. I don't know what that means right now, but I'm going to watch and I'm going to find out because she is serious about some scrappy cooking. You just sell it with that vibrato. It makes me so happy. Oh, thank you, Chuck. I love it. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Instagram, TikTok, at PlantU, and of course, the book right now. Pick it up at your local book retailer or click the link in the episode notes. Happy New Year. Thank you so very much for helping us get off on this healthy foot, Carly. Thank you for having me. And thank you to everyone listening. Chuck, you are just a gem. And I'm so grateful for the Exam Room podcast. 23 tips for being healthy and plant-based in 2023. And if you would like a little more help with your health this year, perhaps the Barnard Medical Center can help. The Barnard Medical Center is powering this episode of the Exam Room Podcast. Their doctors and dietitians practice lifestyle medicine and promote plant-based nutrition with in-person visits in their Washington, D.C. office and telemedicine appointments in 18 states. Visit barnardmedical.org or call 202-527-7500 to learn more. That's barnardmedical.org or call 202-527-7500. With this being the new year, everybody is making these resolutions. But if you look at recent studies, you'll see that 80% of people give up on those resolutions by the time February rolls around. But not you, my friend. I have faith in you because today you have received all of the tips that you need to be successful, to get you going, and to figure out what works for you. Now, look, Carly's ideas are super important because they're delicious, right? If you love bacon, well, guess what? You can still eat bacon. You don't have to go without we have simply given you a much healthier version of bacon to consider. It's not necessarily about abstaining from the foods that you love completely, because sometimes that can make the whole idea of going on a diet, quote-unquote, really difficult, even unsustainable. The cravings are just killer. So with this, you can still eat burgers and the bacon and the hot dogs even cheese. You can eat all of that stuff, but we've given you healthier versions, plant-based versions. All of them healthy, all of them delicious, and all will keep you going all the way to achieving your health goals in the new year. Plus, once you reach those goals, you've got it down and you can keep going for the rest of your life. That's the brilliant thing about all of this. It is sustainable. No more yo-yo dieting, my friend. Just the healthy life that you've always longed for. But we still have so much more to learn. I mean, there is a lot to this. So starting on January 3rd, we will be launching our All Stars of Health series. This is two weeks of exam room live episodes, and it begins January 3rd with Dr. Michael Greger. Also on the lineup, Dr. Barnard will be back Dr. Will Bolsowitz will be making a house call with us the first week of January, as will Rip Esselstyn. And then the following week, that gets started with the legendary T. Colin Campbell. Cyrus Kambata from Mastering Diabetes will also be a guest that week, as will the plant power doc, Gemma Newman. She will be with us. And Dan Butner. 
the king of the blue zones. He too will be part of the exam room live. So join us for our all stars of health, two weeks worth of exam room live episodes. They begin on January 3rd with Dr. Michael Greger and still more to come. My friends still more to come, but for today and this first show of the new year, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to Dr. Barnard and Carly Bodrug for being here and helping us get 2023 off to a very healthy start. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based.